welcome to our new and exciting podcast called More Than a Woman. I am Tracy. And I am Sarah. And in our chats, we will talk to women who have extraordinary stories to share. Stories of strength, courage and determination that will allow us to discover the power that each of us holds to survive and thrive. We'll cover those topics that are trending at present and also those that are rarely spoken about but are equally important. These podcasts are stories that have women at the heart of them, stories that will inspire all genders and ages. Look out now on our social media pages to find out more. Hi, and welcome to the next episode of More Than A Woman podcast. I am Sarah Robb. And I'm Tracy Dean Powell. And today we have an inspirational young lady called Alice Greaves. At the young age of 24, Alice was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And instead of, in her own words, sitting around moping around, she has been on a mission to raise awareness of cancer and its symptoms and has raised tens of thousands of pounds for local charities. Welcome, Alice. Hi. Can so, you... I was going to say, no. go on then, Tracy, you go. Uh, I was going to say, it's uh, this story is new. You, this is happening now, isn't it, Alice? So yeah. can you, this is this year, can you take us on the journey of what happened, how it happened, how you found out? Yes, so in November 2022, I noticed a um, change in my breast where there was quite a significant lump as such, but it was, it felt more of a mass. Um, So I rang the doctors and said, look, this is what I found. And they said, the usual, do you have any family history? Um, How old are you? All of the standard questions Mm. to which I said no family history I'm only 24 at the time and I just don't know something just doesn't feel right um and they said well what do you do I said well at the time I have a Christmas tree business for November and December so I was lugging around Christmas trees and they said are you right-handed which is the breast that the cancer was in so I said yeah I'm right-handed they said oh I think it's just your pectoral muscle I said well can I see someone um to which they said oh we don't really have the people in the surgery at the moment so I think you'll be absolutely fine so took the advice of the medical professionals carried on as normal um the pectoral muscle to what I thought it was or what I told it was um Mm. never changed so I thought "Mm, okay um rang again in January I thought right I've not moved anything I've not lifted anything for at least a month now surely there should be some change I got told we've already told you it's just your pectoral muscle um and they advised me to go and get some health anxiety counselling no (laughs) i paid oh god in the region of 800 pounds in total to get health anxiety counseling i didn't even know that was a thing yeah i I had hypnosis i tried everything thinking well it must all be in my head Um, against everything that you are taught as a woman yeah and that they will come and check you know they will check you out they would rather you go and they check your boobs yeah then, then you leave it is it's that not a, was that and was that a, a, a covid hangover or is it i think so i think by the sounds of it there just wasn't the medical professionals in the surgery i'm at at the time um and it just 
wasn't seen as an importance apparently um to which obviously now i know is so wrong but at the time a 24 year old girl you hope it's nothing serious if you're told it's nothing serious you run with that absolutely because you believe them they are the experts so you you totally believe can i just go back a step because i'm you know when you're checking your boobs yeah what did it feel like because you know when they go know your boobs know what's normal so how did you know it wasn't normal so i'm only small i've only got small boobs so i thought i just noticed almost it almost felt like half of my breast was a bit of a rock um and i thought "Mm, i just haven't noticed that before like if i've ever knocked them and the one thing i now know i didn't know the importance of checking my boobs it's Mm. not something you're taught in school you're taught how to calculate pi and algebra and all this but you're not actually taught how to check your breasts which potentially saves your life um so I didn't know that there was anything wrong as such. I just thought, "Mm, that's not quite right. Um, I then said to my mum, look, I don't think this is right. And she said, well, look, now she goes, oh, this is so wrong of me to say. But she said, well, they've said it's health anxiety. Keep going to the counsellor. And that's what I did. And then I said, look, we got to February. Did the counsellor not say anything, Alice, like, oh, I should get it checked out. I mean, did she just... Yeah, so she said, um, have you seek medical attention? And I said, yeah, I've, I've gone to them and they've said there's nothing wrong. They've said they think it's health anxiety. And obviously that's pretty much all she could do. Um, and she said, like, obviously she's not going to do a medical examination. That's not what she's trained in. She's trained and obviously she gets a lot of people who do have health anxiety and that's what she has to treat as such but it was just when I wasn't getting anywhere I was doing Mm. everything she said and just the thoughts and worries were still there um, because at the end of the day I still had this hard breast which just got bigger and bigger um I got to February it was the day after Valentine's Day and I said to my mum this isn't right I am going to demand that I am seen and I have nothing on my medical records other than a tonsillectomy at the age of 11 and I just was like I'm not wasting their time. I mm. never go. Um, so we went down and my mum came with me. Um, but before she went, she said, oh, I'll give you a hug. And she said, now at the time, at the time she didn't explain it. And now she said, as I gave you a hug, it was like a boulder hit me. So she right. said, at that point, she realised that something wasn't right. So we yeah. went down um, to the surgery and they said right we need to do an examination um to which point the lady said can I do a physical examination I said yeah she didn't even take two minutes to go this is really bad and her words were wow this is really bad I'm going to fast track you on the two-week cancer program oh Oh my god just there and then and just came out yeah wow say oh let me just go and check with a doctor can I just get a second opinion it was 
said, this is really bad. Um, and you were, uh, with, and you were on with, your own when, when you were being examined, were you with the I was with my mum. She just went as white as a ghost and was yeah. like, what has just happened? Yeah. Um, and then we tried to ask her questions and she was like, I'm really sorry, I'm busy doing your notes. Can you wait? And we were like, okay. What? And just, so wow. An absolute mess up from day dot with my surgery. Um, and then I was like this, I've just been told, look, we think it could be cancerous, you need to go. And obviously at the point that they think it's cancerous, it can be 101 other mm. things. Um, but you go to the automatic worst. Yeah, they head. tell you the worst and hope for the best. So hope that all the scans and everything will show it's not that, but let's rule out the worst case scenario, which I think is a very good way of doing it because mm. at the end of the day, they could turn around and say, we think it's a cold and actually just carry on with your day. Whereas if they've scanned and tested for absolutely everything, you know what you're dealing with. And I suppose you take it seriously as well if they go, we think it might be cancer, because if they like you say they say it's a cold and you get your appointment through and you get something a better offer on the day, yeah. you might <laughs> you might not go, you know, because you're like, Oh, it's all right, we're okay. But if you're going, Yes, it it might be cancer, then you you would hope that people would make that a priority and get to that appointment definitely yeah and it is it is a priority at the end of the day it's definitely best to get checked um what it is um they then said they put me on the two-week cancer fast track so Um, what's that so i think if i'm correct in saying it's if you are diagnosed with or they think you might need to be checked for cancer it can be anything up to six weeks through the NHS Um, and I believe that that time scale may have gone up now um, because obviously the NHS is under a massive strain and it only gets worse Um, if they think it's something of severity and they need to get you checked urgently you get put on the two-week cancer fast track where you should have a date with um, an oncologist or someone within that field within two weeks um we then went home and we actually as a family um have private medical insurance um which a lot of people see as a luxury when you actually look at it as it costs less than two pounds a day probably less than you spend in your local shop yeah it's actually not it's less than a flat white yeah exactly um it's so important and actually it's less of a luxury now because i got fast-tracked through my private health insurance and i saw a consultant within two days oh, wow wow so i um i have my private health care insurance with bupa they have a cancer care promise so they also have a breast um screening so you are able to see someone within two days um for a breast check which yeah. is amazing and it was the most pain-free easy um journey ever because i went i actually went down to sutton coalfield because that's who had the first appointment yeah um i was seen by a 
consultant who examined me said mm, I'm not too sure he actually didn't think it was cancer because he said it wasn't something he'd come across before in all oh, his right. years he said this is like a hard mass he thought it was um like an infection or something that just needed to be treated with something a bit stronger yeah. um so he then sent me for an ultrasound a biopsy um and then booked me for an mri all within an hour of me being there um they then sent off the biopsy results and said you'd hear within two weeks um to which point within two it was exactly two weeks on that day I was due to fly to Florida um so I was saying look I I need to know before I go and um he said right well look I'll do my best the best I can probably do is get it to you within a week but we'll see um so how did you cope mentally then Alice because I think waiting for results Mm. can be so so mentally draining um and I know because last year I had a scare. I, I, I found a lump and I was fast tracked, like you were saying. Um, but waiting, waiting, that waiting period was something I found really difficult. How did you find that difficult? Yeah, the waiting, I would say, is probably the hardest part of the journey. Um, it's that unknowing that like you can't guess you can try and pretend you're a medical professional and say oh they're going to come up with this but at the end of the day you have no clue and you don't know what's going to come up until they physically say it's x y and z um so the waiting was the hardest part i just kept myself really busy um i like to be busy so it massively helps me um but i think that was the key to just getting through it um, I am lucky in the fact I'm lucky and unlucky because I didn't have to wait the two weeks um, the biopsy came back very quickly to say it's cancer and they got me in within a week to tell me that we're really sorry but it is cancer at the end of the day um, and I think you hear the words cancer and you just think you've dealt a death sentence at the end of the yeah. day it's it's those words that everyone dreads, no one wants to hear, and it turns your world upside down. Um, but equally, there's so much that can be done. There, medical technology, medicine, everything is advancing every single day. Um, there's so much coming into the world now where actually there's so much more that can be done. Um, but the key is just early detection, finding it sooner. It, you've got so much more of a chance so was yours still classed as an early find or was it further down um the route because they'd oh, missed it in the beginning they yeah they've not said it was an early find because it wasn't it was months mm. and months later yeah. but in some respects because i had the private health care and they got onto it so quickly they were able to stop it spreading Right. So the thing that I'm finding a lot as I speak to so many women um, who reach out and say, look, I've, I've recently been diagnosed, they are now finding it is spread to their lymph nodes. And the you're not, it's not 
the end of it if it spreads to your lymph nodes but once it's in your lymph nodes you are at an increased risk of it spreading elsewhere and once you get secondary cancer unfortunately they still don't have a cure so it's treatable but it's incurable um so if you find it early and it hasn't managed to get to your lymph nodes or spread from your lymph nodes you have a much much better chance of beating it Um, now they I had an inflamed lymph node, so they were absolutely adamant it was in my lymph nodes. They did three biopsies and the biopsies came back negative, but they were still completely convinced. They just said, we just don't understand it. It's got to be in your lymph nodes. Um, So at the time of surgery, they actually removed three lymph nodes, um, sent them to histology and they came back completely clear. So at that point, I was cleared of it being in my lymph nodes but up until histology they treated me as if it had spread to my lymph nodes because they were which is is that a good thing that they treated you that yeah 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 yeah. the day they've they've gone look this is worst case um yeah and obviously once they got the histology they said look we've got the great news that it isn't in your lymph nodes which was a massive sigh of relief because for me obviously if it was in my lymph nodes they then had to go back in and remove the rest so you have 12 lymph nodes under your arm um so they removed three and they said if it's in any of them we've got to go back in and remove the rest so just knowing that when i have my next lot of surgery they they aren't actually doing any cancerous surgery it is just the reconstruction is a huge huge relief um but again whether that's because I got seen earlier or whether it's because they just absolutely from I think I started my treatment within four weeks of being diagnosed yeah um, or finding it technically so going to the surgery to starting chemo was within four weeks which is incredible and is that that was with Bupa that's yeah that was with all my private health insurance now if you have private health insurance you do get the option to um, be reverted back to the NHS but if you've got an insurance that fully covers you for cancer then there's it's a no-brainer yeah so what would the time scale have been if you had gone down the NHS do you do you know I I don't know but I was nine weeks into chemotherapy when I got a call from the NHS to say we've received your letter bearing in mind it was the urgent two-week fast track letter would you like an appointment and I said and I was actually sat at chemotherapy and I said well to be honest I'm just uh I've currently got the IV line hooked up to me and I'm, I'm nine weeks into chemotherapy and they said well we're really concerned because the letter was only dated last week what? Oh, so I can only think that the letter never got there or was sent when it should be. So has <laughs> this might be a bit controversial. Has your local surgery, who we've not named and won't name, um, ever apologised? Hmm. <laughs> it's a bit <laughs> of a fight. Um, so after once I got sorted and I was on track um, yeah. to having chemo and everything I wrote them a letter and I said I wrote them a 
very strong letter to say how disappointed I was. Mm-hmm. I named the reasons I was disappointed. And I said, I don't want to blame anyone, but I want you to learn from this. I want yeah. you to go away, put a plan in place to ensure that you don't fail someone else because I will stand by my word word and say I was failed by my surgery. Um, Absolutely. I got this ridiculous letter back to basically say, we don't think we've done anything wrong, but we'll look into it. So I said, okay, I'll uh, give you time. And I gave them, I think I gave them two weeks, which I felt was fair. and after two weeks I got another letter to say we um don't feel we can do you justice within two weeks can we have another week so I said okay you can have another week but within a week I would like a written apology and I would like a plan a year plan on how you are going to improve your surgery and failure to do so I will report you to NHS England for a formal investigation yeah which I thought was fair yeah yeah absolutely definitely um and I got a letter back to say we've acknowledged areas for improvement, um, but there was no apology. And I said to move on with the surgery, I needed a written apology to accept that they have failed me as a surgery. Um, and I was arguing and arguing with them, um, but they just weren't getting it. I had phone call after phone call to say I wanted an apology. Eventually, I got, I'd say, half of an apology. It was, we know we failed you, but that was pretty much it. Do you think they didn't apologise at that point because they thought you it would come back and you would sue them? Yeah, so I, I even went down that route and I said, I have no intention of suing you as a surgery. Yeah. I have no intention of taking it legal. I just want a formal apology and I want you to ensure you don't fail anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so, so you can receive that acknowledgement, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's, you, sorry. I want them to say that, yeah, we failed you. Yeah. We, we did wrong. And also we won't fail another woman. Yes. We won't. If another woman walks through our door and says, I think there's something wrong. I found a lump or something's not quite right. They don't dismiss them. They see them that yeah. day. Yeah. And they are not seen by a nurse practitioner. They are seen by a doctor, by someone who has trained for the correct amount of years in that yeah. aspect. Yeah. And I think that's the importance. And, and also... What, the worrying thing is, isn't it, that you, you're you clearly a strong character, but there are plenty of, of women out there that aren't 100%. and that would just accept what they've been told yeah. and go away and not well, come I, back. I accepted it for three years. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it wasn't until I thought, you know what, I'm going to fight for this and I had the strength to fight for it but like you say there are so many women that wouldn't and I think that's wrong because if you can trust anyone you trust your local surgery you trust your practice to ensure that what they say is right and at the end of the day if you knew what was right you'd train for the 13 years it takes to be a GP or whatever it is not trusting you at the end of the day they've trained not you yeah so, you, yeah. you, you've said that golden word, the trust. You know, you do. We do trust these medical professions and, and our surgery um, when we've got something wrong. And, and I think that that word trust is, is something that you know they 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 failed you on that. 
yeah definitely and I've gone back and forth with them um I then asked them to follow up with a three-month plan of how they were going to improve and I've received nothing um and then I had a battle with them the other week because I had needed some urgent antibiotics for an infection um I explained to them that they are concerned it would go to sepsis if I didn't start the antibiotics uh two days passed and I said like why have I still not had a text to say these are ready and they said oh we're really sorry we're struggling to find them and I said well at which point did you think to call me and say look we're struggling to find them elsewhere um and at which point I have I am now going to be reporting them I was going to say are we now at that point where we're We're like we're done now you've had your chances yeah and I am very good at giving people chances and I'll give them as many chances as I possibly can but now I am concerned that they are going to fail other people yeah and I don't want that um I've still got no absolutely no intention and never would have any intention of taking it legal I don't I wouldn't have the energy for that no I will report I will be reporting them for a formal investigation to ensure that they are made to make the appropriate changes mm. to the surgery to ensure that if anyone else goes no matter doesn't have to be breast cancer no matter what it is yeah. they are seen and the correct protocol is followed. Yeah. As I'm not being awful Alice you're not going to be you're not going to be the only one no not at all you know so how many others out there are there that not just with breast cancer like you say other things have been failed by that surgery yeah you know it's it's a very sad situation that we're in yeah it is scary um and i think the key is private medical insurance i think i've had quite a few people um via my instagram say look i can't afford private medical and i'll say to them I'm not going to ask you your finances but do you go to the shop and spend three pounds a day and they'll say oh yeah easily well private healthcare insurance is less than two pounds a day so maybe yeah. cut down on that bottle of diet coke and that's probably pays for it now because the price of inflation yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, also and also the fight as well i think what you're what you are demonstrating is how much can be achieved by fighting definitely fighting yeah yeah, I think if you strongly believe in something, you've got to fight for it. And Yes. And do you think that's important. helped your journey through this, that you that fight in you, you know, mentally, you know, physically, emotionally, having that energy, do you think that's helped? Definitely, yeah. I get messages all the time saying, how are you so strong? How are you doing it? And half of it is believe you can and you can do it. Yeah. if you if you tell yourself you can do it you can do it if you tell yourself it's going to be horrific i need to stay in bed all the time that's you're not going to get out of bed are you mm-hmm. um you've got to be positive you've got to be strong um and you find a strength that you never knew you had yeah. someone told me two years ago you're going to have cancer in a year's time this is how you're going to cope with it i would have said absolutely no way no way i, yeah. I would have thought i'd curl up in a ball um but you either fight or fly at the end of the day and I think positivity is the key um but also a bit of normality you went during your your cancer treatment um you mentioned that you had the cold cap yes um and um hearing you now saying you know you kept positive and, and you're fighting tell us a little bit about the cold cap and what it does and how you coped with that 
Yeah, so the scalp cooling is incredible. Um, it's an amazing invention that just it blows your mind, really. Um, so I really wanted to keep my hair. We have a lot of young children within our family and friends, and the thought of me having to sit with them and say, oh, what's wrong? Why have you lost your hair, Alice? Mm -hmm. They just would not understand. And they probably would understand, but it would also be quite detrimental to them. Um, and the fact that I've been able to keep my hair has made it a lot easier. All the young children in our in my life know that I'm poorly. They know that th things aren't quite right, but equally I think it massively helps them that they, I still look pretty normal. Yes. Um, so I really wanted to give scalp cooling a try. Um, I was notified. I was notified that um, the problem is both of my drugs were very, very strong hair loss drugs, and my oncologist repeatedly said, "I really don't think it'll work, but if you want to try it, you can." So I stuck with it. So what I is it? So what is the cold cap? So I know, so, like me and Tracy had a brief chat about it before, but I have I've never heard of it. Don't know what it is. So what it is is your cancer chemo can only kill living cells so wow. what it does is it freezes your hair follicles so they technically aren't living at the time of chemotherapy so it, oh, right. it um you yeah it's really crazy so, so now they, i've just got this image of this like you know like you see in the monster movies yeah is that what it's like that. I said, you know, when you watch the old school um, mental asylum <laughs> films and they've got these crazy caps and you're strapped yeah. around your chin and you just look ridiculous. The strap, the chin strap's really tight, so it gives you massive hamster cheeks and you just look a bit like a puffer fish for a day. Um, but they lather your hair in conditioner to stop it sticking and then they wet all your hair because it helps with the conductivity. And then they put it on your head and it, I can only describe it as almost someone chucking a bucket of iced water over your head and it not stopping. Um, that initial, it just gives you oh. brain freeze times 100 and it's pretty horrific. But it's a very much mind over matter thing. Right. Um, so if you distract yourself, I will never forget the first time I took my other half and my mum with me and they were ridiculous. I said, distract me. And they were going, what are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, the weather outside. Great. I didn't even have a window. I couldn't even see the weather. But bless <laughs> them, they were trying absolutely everything to distract me. In the end, I just imagined I was on a beach in the Maldives. I was really warm. I could feel the sun. And within about 10 minutes... I didn't notice it was on. If I thought about it, I knew it was there and I knew it was freezing. But if I just ignored it and got on with it, it was absolutely fine. Some people only have it for a couple of hours. I had it all day. Oh so my crikey. The moment I got in, it was on and it stayed on until I literally was allowed to leave. You were determined you were keeping your hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Oh my! So is that like a bit like that, you know, the Wim Hof and getting in the ice buckets? But obviously, yeah. only it's pretty much like that, but with your head. Yeah, very much. And it was just, I'm gonna do it. And you basically have to have it on for, depending on your 
chemotherapy. You have to have it. I had to have it on for an hour. They then started the infusion. So once they were certain that everything was frozen, they then started the infusion and it was on. And then you had it on for an hour at the end to ensure that it was all circulating around your body and then you could take it off. So it was a long period of time. Um, it's it's hard. It's, yeah, painful. It's I'd say it's not painful. It's actually more of an inconvenience. It's heavy on your head. There's this massive tube coming out the back with freezing water pumping to you. You can feel the weight on your shoulders, but I had that long term of I want yeah. to keep my hair um, and yeah. if I think if I started to see it coming out in lumps and clumps I probably would have given it up yeah. um, but equally I just kept going with it and I'm so glad I did yeah. because yeah. I've got all my hair I lost a tiny little bald patch at the top um, which is just where it started to thin out and I saw it thinning but at no point did clumps of hair come out. Yeah. Um, so it worked wonders for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but also I truly believe that it's a lot to what you do outside of it. So yes, the cold cap massively helps, but also things like drinking water, keeping hair, keeping hydrated, keeps your hair follicles hydrated. Right. Um, not washing your hair every single day. I had to go to washing my hair every single day to once a week, which was pretty disgusting. Was um, that like a whole drying shampoo? Like, oh, going I tried off? everything. I don't think I went anywhere without a hat on. It was just, don't look at my hair. Please don't look at my hair. <laughs> um, but it was worth it. And yeah. I yeah, will stick definitely. by the fact that it was 100% worth it because... I haven't lost my hair. I still get people now saying, oh, so when are you starting treatment? And I'm like, <laughs> because yeah. I don't look ill. And I do think there's a massive part. Some women are incredible and they have that bravery to shave their hair off, mm -hmm. which I can never imagine the emotions they go through to do that. It has got to be, I think as a woman, your hair makes you feel yeah. it is your yes. brown it is. i absolutely remember having this conversation with my nan who had bowel cancer and and her hair was her crowning glory yeah and, you know, and it is for a lot of women isn't it it is yeah you know it's your crown and to lose that and, and it is part of your identity you know we yeah. use as women we use our hair so much don't we 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 put it up to go out you know you have a change of life you have a dramatic haircut you know this yeah it, it's part of your identity yeah definitely and I think that is the fact that some women have that bravery to shave it off is just incredible but a lot of people I know someone who has two young children and she wanted to keep her hair because she wanted to keep that normality for her mm -hmm. children. And I completely get it. Yeah. Um, I don't have children, so I didn't go through that, but I felt it with the young people in my life because I wanted to keep that normality for me and them. I didn't yeah. want to look ill, but also for my family. I think if I woke up and sat at the breakfast table with no hair, it was that constant reminder that I am unwell and I, um, yeah. fighting this battle um, and nothing takes away from the fact you've got this battle 
but equally you can make that journey easier for yourself um and yes the cold cap's freezing it's not something i i had this mission to get everyone who came to chemo with me to try it and people were screaming on the ward saying get it off this is horrific i got the nurses to try it it was i just said it's important you try it because when i said i wanted to do the cold cap two of the nurses said oh it's brutal it's absolutely horrific it wasn't till i got into it i said have you ever tried it and they said no and I said, well, how can you tell someone it's brutal? Yeah. So you've got to try it yourself to know what it's actually like. So they did try it and they were quite pleasantly surprised. They said it's not great, not but it's brutal. what I was told. So I yeah, thought that yeah. was quite good. You, you obviously well, use... I suppose if they know they how it feels, they can be saying to people, it's a bit more empathy, but also that whole we did this to make it feel better a bit like you saying that mind over the matter think of being on a hot beach they've was, had that experience so they can relate a bit more yeah. to it i, w- I was yeah. gonna i was gonna say that i think what you've taught them taught these to uh, these nurses is actually the power of visualization because you visualized yourself on that beach and and that is um uh, sort of a, a, a hypnotherapy um kind of theory of, of going into that visualization so you've actually taught those nurses quite a lot because mm. of the way you coped with going through with that cold cap yeah definitely and hopefully it'll help them when advising others yeah if you would like to get in contact with us please email more than a woman podcast uk at gmail.com